Welcome to the Grillcast, your executive briefing on privacy. Top-line privacy insights from the voice of your peers. Today, I'm thrilled to have a part comedian, part privacy leader in the space, and I've been looking forward to this one for quite a few months. Today, we're going to welcome Andy Dale, General Counsel and Chief Privacy Officer of Alice. Welcome, Andy. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, definitely been looking forward to this one. Uh, I feel like we joked about SECs. <laughs> I don't even know how many months ago that was, but uh, yeah, why don't you give us a bit of an intro on, on your background and, and path to here? Well, here they are, Dan. The new SECs are here and I couldn't be more excited and thrilled about them. I'm the GC and CPO of Alice, which is a gifting and engagement platform. And prior to Alice, I was the general counsel and VP of privacy at a company called Session M that we sold to MasterCard in 2019. Prior to that, I was in the ad tech business running the legal team at a company called DataZoo. Got my mentorship and start in privacy at TD Ameritrade before that on that legal team with a really great chief privacy officer named David Hale. You mystified in there, which is you have this fantastic show, the Data Protection Breakfast Club. Four season, right? This is season four? This is three. We're, we're like three. sort of recording. Four. Four. Yeah, this, it's wow. been super fun. You know, I have to ask, like, what was the inspiration for the show? Pedro Pavone from Facebook. And when, when we started, he was at Salesforce. Uh, right. I remember that, yeah. Uh, Pedro, I met when he was at Oracle. So we, we thought it'd be fun to, we've been good friends for a long time. And we have a lot of kind of fun and casual conversations about privacy and about these issues. Because, you know, we feel like that needs to be sort of brought down a level. There's a lot of legal talk and a lot of law and regulation and people quoting article, blah, blah, blah. And that just feels like that's okay. There's a time and a place for that, but there's a lot of conversation happening around these things that we felt was being missed. And we thought, okay, we've got over the years, we've met a bunch of really cool, interesting, fun people. Let's just have chats with them about it. And let's try to, you know, we're not trying to split the atom or, or, you know, rewrite, rewrite any laws or anything. We're just trying to kind of discuss these things and get different points of view on them. And we love the eighties. And so we just thought like, let's make it fun. Yeah. The retro Um, seems cool. Yeah. Like let's make it, let's have some fun with it and let's have our friends on there. And honestly, during COVID, it's been great because I got to, in a way we got to sort of see our friends, you know, you and I, before we were were recording, we're talking about missing those live events and that lobby of the IAPP summit, you know, that's what we're sort of trying to recreate, you know, with our friends, just having drinks and, you know, commiserating a little bit. (laughs) I find even this kind of dialogue super interesting because you pick up insights from folks along the way. What have you learned? Like, I mean, I imagine you would have captured a, a bunch of things from- A ton, a ton. Know, and it's been, cool, it's been cool, Dan, because like we've purposefully put a variety of people on from a friend of ours who's a spacesuit designer talking about the data they use to build spacesuits. So I learned a ton from him about they have a partnership with Reebok and they're talking, you know, about the data that's used when you build clothing, you know, and your, you know, sensors are delivering data back to these companies to increase performance. Right. And we discussed the privacy issues around that. Um, That was super interesting. We also just learn a lot from peers of ours that have been doing similar things, but doing things a little differently or people that have been in the game a really, really long time too. Like that's a super interesting one. Our second episode, we had Jules Polonetsky, the CEO of FPF, the main think tank in privacy. And then we're going to talk about ad tech in a little bit, but like Jules is one of the founders of like ad tech privacy, having worked at DoubleClick, which was bought by Google and which is really their ad tech stack. Just a lot of insight from the people that have been doing it, you know, across the generations also. It's been interesting. 
You touched on ad tech. I find the folks that are either in ad tech or have had a journey through ad tech have sort of battle scars, so to speak, yeah. of going through that path. It's an industry in flux, right? Lots of things going on, challenging decisions that legal professionals have to make. Where do you see that landscape going? You said it well. I mean, it's majorly in flux. Interestingly, if you zoom out and you look at privacy in general, the practice or, or like the, a lot of those folks that started kind of like I mentioned, Jules and Trevor, yeah, and also the yeah, CEO yeah. of IAPP, they all come from ad tech. Well, I always say it and we always like want it to be true, but I actually think it is true that like a lot of the sort of policymaking started at the ad tech yeah, level. Yeah. And so now I think you're seeing this sea change happen, which is super interesting because so much of the internet was built on that and internet privacy was built on that framework of, okay, I'm making a pretty clear trade. I'm trading cookies for content or I'm trading cookies for content and I'm going to look at a pair of shoes and I'm going to see it again later. While that may at first feel creepy to me, like people have gotten used to that for better or worse. And in Europe, they click a banner. We're getting rid of the cookie notionally, although Google pushed that back now two years, which is an interesting decision. Arguably, there are a series of different identifiers that are going to be used for ad tech. That's never going to end. There was sort of a race to figure out which one of those will be the winner. I actually asked the question, I don't I legit don't know. Like cookies aren't that big of a privacy risk to me. It's a device ID. So Mm. I find it interesting that we sort of are playing with fire in some sense in ad tech Mm. where we're going to change IDs. We're going to notionally carve out something that is arguably more privacy safe in some sense. But but I just have this sort of existential question. Are we? You know, I don't know. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting off script a second. You have Apple obviously presenting a competitive position on privacy. What applications do you use that are Apple applications these days? You're actually using third-party applications like by choice. I was talking about it with my fiance. You use the iMessage app. You might use the weather app. That's about where it finishes Yeah, uh, for applications owned and run by Apple. Mail is an interesting one, Dan, the mail app. Yeah. Some people are, I think, using the Gmail app or the something. Some people are just plugging their their emails into the mail app. And I guess, I don't know a ton about this, but the next iOS version has some changes to the mail app I and so. mail opens. Yeah. And so like yeah. that'll have an impact on potentially ABM marketers and the correct. IP address that they're That's collecting. Yeah. So like... It's an error <laughs> flux is this yeah. basically what I'm saying. This whole field, right? But particularly as we zoom out to your level, right? Thinking as like chief privacy officer, you're engaged with CEOs all the time. You see red lines go back and forward. I think a lot of leaders, you know, running companies are trying to figure out how they deploy resources, how they should think about staffing a team. Do they bring in consultants? Do they not? When do they buy technology? How do you think about like CEOs and how should they think about, you know, staffing a privacy team? Like, what should the first hire be if you're a, a company like Alice and you're in B2B or maybe it's a B2C example? In our situation, Greg, our CEO, had a head of product that was privacy knowledgeable. He wasn't an expert, but I think it's helpful to think through if you are going to have a data play somewhat, you know, or, or be yeah, processing yeah. data to have a champion in your business. I don't, you know, you, know, you probably won't want to have a CPO right away unless you're a really... Right privacy-focused business, and you may not even want to... I've seen GCs get hired earlier, you know, maybe than they used to, but still, I don't think at the seed round, somebody's going to be like, I need a GC. Like, (laughs) it's not going to happen, right? Unless it's like a 
legal tool. So while that is happening earlier, I think probably you're going to work with your product team to get the best champions you can, and then just get really good counsel while you need it. And then I think the first hire probably has to be an attorney. And I don't know that it needs to be a CPO, but it needs to be somebody that's either done it in a law firm for a little bit or done some privacy work at a company before. I think that's critical because they're going to need to be sort of player coach for a while. And then I think the next critical hire, if you are going to either level up and get a general counsel, you do that, or maybe that person grows into that role or something. The next role is operations. And whether that's legal operations or a mix of legal and privacy operations, there's so much compliance work to be done. And it requires like knowing technology systems like yours, like others in the tech stack, got to have an operator and somebody that's going to be able to like build that tech stack. And that isn't always the GC. You're obviously learning a bunch from the folks that you're speaking with. And you've been doing this, like you said, for a long time, right? But I'm always curious, especially folks in your position, where do you go to like source information for yourself? Is your peers like that's obviously one area, but what are your weekly blogs that you go read or newsletters that you're signed up to? It's funny. I don't have newsletter. I don't read newsletters. I, I <laughs> If I'm picking three, they're going to be maybe a little different than things other people have recommended. But Awesome. That's what we're looking one, for. One is Twitter and maybe somebody's recommended that before, but if you have the right follows on Twitter, mm. you're going to get a real digest of what is interesting and what's cutting edge and what is new and out there. And uh, Pedro uses Flipboard, which is not something I use, but I would put that out there. Like if you sort of create magazines in Flipboard, which is an app uh, where you can sort of like focus on privacy or security or like even more granular, if you wanted like GDPR or something, or if you're focused on CCPA or something, you can sort of like dial in different like feeds in Flipboard. But I find Twitter to be really helpful. Like certain folks, and I'm happy to like share a list of, of what of what at some point we could compare notes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That'd be cool. Twitter's great. It's because I can digest it between something, you know, I can just be like, okay. And then I'm, I've got, I sort of line up a couple articles and make sure I'm checking them out when I get a free moment. Yeah. That's always helpful. It's usually like kids are in bed late at night, but, <laughs> um, and then two other things I'd say, one is I have a really good outside counsel who happens to live 15 minutes from me and he's a good friend. Oh, that's lovely. So you so, grab like a quick coffee or a quick chat. We'll go for coffee during, during COVID. Like I, w- I would just like drive over to his neighborhood and we'd like walk his dog around the neighborhood. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds silly, honestly, but it's like, I get to see my friend and I get to talk about like the critical problems you're trying to solve. He's doing things. He's got it. You know, it's really nice to have an outside counsel that sees a bunch of different companies and can, mm. you know, without naming the companies, sort of talk to you about like, well, these are the issues that are coming up. So like, that's yeah. really nice. And then the third thing sort of related to that is a group of peers that I've developed with Pedro mm. since 2017 pre GDPR. We have a chat on signal and we do mm. the chat all the time. And then we, you know, now we're doing it over zoom, you know, about once a quarter where we like get together and we have like round tables, closed door, funny ish people. And we sometimes bring some of our outside counsel or CEOs like you will come in and just like unvarnished. <laughs> here's Yeah. What's here's, actually happening. Yeah. And like, here are the problems we're actually trying to solve. And people will actually, you know, in sort of that round table environment say like, I've got an issue with employees doing X or, or something. Yeah. One last one I'll throw in. It doesn't have to do with privacy, but I think you might be interested in it. Yeah. Is, you listen to 20 VC. I do. Yeah. I mean, like that, that's just like, if no one knows about that, that's yeah. just, you need tech leadership advice yeah. From, yeah. For, for any level of the leadership team. 
it doesn't matter. Like it's not just geared towards CEOs. It's like, yeah. how do I lead teams? You know, and how yeah. do I, yeah. how do I scale? And that's really yeah. critical. Yeah, he's got a good podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So last one, as I mentioned, this is valuable for folks that are starting out in their career or aspiring to be where you are today. And uh, we have a lot of listeners that will like write in and, and ask questions here, but I'd be curious, like what advice you would have to perhaps someone who's early in their career thinking about a, a journey into privacy or, or into security or just the field in general, any parting advice you'd share for folks going down that path? I mean, I'd get a CIPP right away. Not to say it like this, it's not that hard. Like study, <laughs> read, you know, read a short book, study, learn. You're probably already interested in it and you've probably already read a lot about it. So like, it won't be yeah. that hard for you to go get the CIPP and start getting involved with the IAPP. Like those resources on their site, going to events when, we, when, we're, we know, when we're traveling all around <laughs> again, if you can, or, or any like dinners or anything, just simple stuff like that. That's the first thing because it'll be hard to get practical experience. We interviewed somebody who I really liked and she didn't have a ton of practical privacy experience, but I could tell like she was really engaged and interested in it and wanted it. And that goes such a long way when you're interviewing and you're trying to show like, because curiosity is one of those things that, you know, over the years of hiring, you start to look for it. You know, you really think that, okay, that makes somebody really helpful to a team if they have sort of the desire to continue to learn. And that always comes from people that are like kind of diving in on their own, even if you don't have a ton of like day-to-day, you know, hardcore uh, PIA experience, you know, for yeah. like doing stuff like that. So that that's some advice. And, and then I think the other thing is just get the privacy content where whatever you can, any privacy job that you can get, it doesn't matter what it is. You can yeah, go yeah. be an entry-level ops person, go intern somewhere and like spend six months all you, so you don't need that much. You just need, you know, to be able to say, I did some practical GDPR work, or I did some right, practical right. CCPA work, or I read some privacy policies, or I, like anything like that. And then once you sort of got that chip, you know, you can play it. Makes total sense. Your advice there of just like trying to engage in content and getting a start in something early is key, regardless of how far down the complexity stack you are. Well, I have a question for you before we end. Please. Yeah, let's do it. I'm curious. I would like to sort of flip the question on you. Like you're probably at a point in your business where you're thinking about what are my privacy legal hires going to be? How do you think about it? Like when will you say I need a CPO or a GC? Like how have you thought about that? We'll probably hire someone as our GC and sort of chief privacy, someone similar to your role, I would think in the next six months. We're sort of now in a position where the company's in the spotlight on a bunch of fronts. Yeah. It's time we have someone guiding the business through best practices. We have phenomenal outside counsel in, in Gunderson and Detmer, and they invested in our seed round, then again in our B round. And we have a collection of advisors as well who provide regular product guidance as well as practical operational guidance day to day. Those are great, but I think it's now time we're probably going to start you know, shortlisting for someone to actually lead the legal and sort of privacy function. Yeah. Like it's the right time. It feels like, it. It feels like it's the it's yeah. like that's the stage. Yeah. Now we're like fully into the B round. We're yeah. collecting the executive staff, right? Four executives in the last six months. So it's uh it's time. It's a but, exciting uh, time. We're we're in the very indeed. <laughs> it's it's indeed. Great. Well, look, I'll close on, you know, definitely uh enjoyed the discussion, Andy. Um, love the show. Uh, looking forward to season four. 
You can find this podcast and these sessions on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Keep an eye out in a couple of weeks. We'll have uh, another uh, speaker on the show. But uh, thanks again, Andy, and uh, definitely look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks. Thanks, man.